Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have Jared Wynn, who is the Senior Vice President of Binance, the world's most popular cryptocurrency exchange. And Jared runs their charitable giving organization. We're going to find out all about how you can use cryptocurrency to ensure financial accountability of your donations. So don't go away. On this week's tech news, here in Silicon Valley, we're still dealing with the repercussions of COVID-19. We're entering our third month of the lockdown, and we're seeing the effects. We talked about in an earlier show how Lyft had announced major layoffs. Well, Uber is now also doing the same. They're laying off 3,700 employees, which is about 14% of the workforce, and that's due to the drop in demand of ride-sharing, as well as Airbnb, the rental platform, they announced that they'll be laying off 1,900 employees or 25% of their workforce. In order to prepare for the U.S. elections, Twitter has now tested a feature that leaves a user's tweet right before it is actually sent, telling them that they think that it might be carry harmful messaging in the tweet itself, which is, of course, going to cause a lot of questions around the First Amendment. But this is all in an effort for social media companies to combat fake news or what they think are insightful news. Artificial intelligence is getting a major boost, especially in light of COVID-19. A lot of companies are trying to figure out how they can use AI in different ways in order to solve for the pandemic, whether it is actually a cure with vaccines or whether it is using drones to monitor uh, hotspots of COVID-19 or using other technologies like contact tracing, all of this is powered by artificial intelligence. And the final story for Tech News is the Health and Human Services Department has actually issued a formal guidance on security protocols uh, in order to keep patient data safe. I think also related to the sharp increase of cyber attacks due to COVID-19 the HHS just wants to make sure that organizations have a playbook on which to follow. You can go to the HHS website to find out more information. And that's the Tech News of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Jared Wynn, who is a Senior Vice President at Binance and is working on their charity initiatives. Welcome back, Jared. Thanks, Keith. Glad to be here. So, Jared, it's just great to know that Binance even has a a charity focus. Can you go a little bit into your background and then how you got involved with Binance? I've been working with tech startups throughout the Silicon Valley for the greater part of 10 years in various capacities, uh, more specifically in marketing and public relations. I've been in the blockchain space more specifically for the better part of four years, um, where I had my advising firm um, and as well, just really started to deep dive into the different fundamentals of blockchain technology, um, while also starting a nonprofit initiative. Uh, and I found that my heart was really drawn towards the impact of philanthropy. So 
as I as I was doing that, um, I saw that Binance Charity or Binance actually had Binance Charity, um, which really intrigued me. And I, I was so fascinated by it that I, I just wanted to do more. So I, I kind of just started doing work for them for free. And eventually they saw some value that I could bring. And uh, lo and behold, I've now been working officially as their senior vice president for the better part of three months. And uh, we're making some great impact in the world. And I couldn't be happier with the results we're achieving. Can you explain what Binance is for those who might not know? Binance is one of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges in the world. Um, the cryptocurrency exchange is a environment which you can trade fiat, such as U.S. dollars, um, you know, yuans or anything of that in exchange for cryptocurrency products. And cryptocurrency products being things such as Bitcoin, uh, BNB tokens, Ethereum, so on and so forth. So uh, Binance itself serves as the medium to kind of help people convert their traditional currencies into cryptocurrencies day to day. Binance is one of the largest, I, I believe, in um, North America, if not the world. Is that correct? Correct. The, the world specifically, yes. And uh, most recently in the last year, we've actually opened up a, an exchange called Binance U.S., uh, specifically for uh, customers in the United States, as there's different regulations that uh, are, are more grantable with in the United States. So it was better to have a specific entity for that. In some of our earliest shows, almost three years ago, we, we went through a lot of the groundwork of what cryptocurrency is, what blockchain as a technology is, and exchanges. So we won't spend too much time today on that subject, but I do think that as people start to hear more and more Blockchain is going mainstream, whether cryptocurrency or as a technology platform. I think as people do their own research, they'll see that uh, organizations like Binance are all about legitimizing um, the usage of these different types of uh, people. Some people call it assets. Some people call it commodities. Some people call it um, uh, digital currencies. But whatever it is, that people can get educated and learn more about that. Um, back to Binance and the, and the charity arm, I think that's more of an indication that Binance is becoming uh, more, more of a mainstream. I think that the adoption of cryptocurrency um, has not yet happened to the mass public, but I think as more organizations see that, especially with the government work is um, in during the, the pandemic that we've seen federal bills and state bills that talk about uh, incorporating cryptocurrency or digital assets into the mainstream, I think that uh, Binance and other exchanges will get more prominence. What do you think about that? I couldn't agree more. And, you know, this time is, uh, it's tragic. But with this pandemic, it arises a lot of friction in which there's been a significant amount of change that comes with this and a lot of opportunity for change. And for change to take place, there has to be incentive or a mandate. And in this case, um, had blockchain technology been adopted more uh, prolifically in the last six to 12 months, uh, we would be in a lot different of an experience than we are right now, such as grant money or different funds being appropriated towards different initiatives to try and fight COVID-19. Um, but that said, I think now everyone's looking at it and realizing that the system in place is not one that's sustainable and not one that in today's current age of technology is reasonable given our capacities of what we can do. So I think that with everything happening right now, with friction can come growth. 
And I think that Binance truly really wants to be at the forefront of that and collaborating with different governments, enterprise organizations, and helping this adoption of blockchain technology. So we believe that starts with giving. And philanthropy, I think, is the true way to show um, one's true self. And with that, uh, with blockchain technology, we hope that philanthropy can show some of the more positive light of what blockchain can te- technology can do. It's a good point. And I think uh, as a reminder, um, my show isn't political in nature or uh, advocating one position or the other. I, I will say, though, that being um, coming out of the traditional banking world and as we're moving into uh, what people see as non-traditional banking or decentralized finance is another term for it, there's a lot of concern over what this all means. So when we come back, I think we should do a little more in the beginning of the next segment to kind of talk about the views on that, because you just mentioned how if we had um, had more adoption in place six months ago, we might be in a different situation. So let, let's go come back and talk about that. You're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Special guest is Jared Wynn, Senior Vice President at Binance, a crypto exchange, and they're focusing on philanthropy and charitable giving. If you have any questions or comments about what we're talking about, email us at info at svin.biz. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and we'll be right back with more of Jared. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I am joined with Jared Wynn, who is the Senior Vice President at Binance, a crypto exchange, and he's very focused on charitable giving and philanthropy. Welcome back, Jared. Thanks, Keith. So, Jared, here's a question for you. How are blockchain and philanthropy, how can they be related? When somebody donates $100, $1,000, even a $1 million towards a philanthropic initiative, the bill doesn't stop there. There's always a wondering of what type of impact did I really make on this? Um, and what you, li- what you rely on when you make that donation to a charitable organization is trust in the organization that you're donating to, to use it in the way that it was otherwise intended. Um, trust and greed are a balance in human nature. And with humans, uh, there's always going to be a pivoting point as to a behavior in one direction or the, no- the other. For the first time, blockchain technology has put us in a position where we can eliminate that key value of trust. There's not a question with code as to whether or not it's going to behave in one direction or another because strict guidelines are set that will otherwise um, restrict whether or not a transaction will occur and how that will occur. Um, To back up a little bit, blockchain technology in itself um, provides transparency, immutability, and ultimately eliminates that value of trust. You know that what's going to happen is going to happen. So when Binance Charity receives a donation, we can show the, the, the journey of that donation all the way from the donor to the end beneficiary of whatever cause that is through blockchain technology. Um, and with blockchain, you can see transparently the pass of those funds. So there's no longer a question of, did my $100 actually make it to that end beneficiary? It's proven through technology, and there's no question as to whether or not that happens. So with Binance Charity, what we're really trying to achieve is we're trying to not only do that ourselves, but we're trying to work with other NGOs and charitable organizations to help them adopt this technology, as we believe this is the future. And with this, um, we think that by showing 
philanthropy and the impact that blockchain can have on philanthropy, we hope to encourage others to adopt blockchain use cases that might otherwise really make an impact on the world. Um, Because blockchain itself is not an illicit activity. It's not for criminal activities. It's not for corruption. It's just that anything of a, a great opportunity typically has corruption follow it. So with that, while Bitcoin might have a negative brand, uh, the technology blockchain itself is very separate. So we hope that with philanthropy, uh, we will be able to encourage the adoption of blockchain technology at a larger scale um, and hopefully even help people make their first purchase of Bitcoin and experience it for themselves. Thanks, Jared. That's a a great answer to the question of the relationship between blockchain and philanthropy. Uh, What I want to continue on is uh, we said at the end of the last segment, you know, there's, there's controversy over the unknown. So they're thinking about digital assets and possibly the collapse of fiat. Um, I don't want to get too much into that. What I do want to follow up, though, on what you said is, and I do, um, I'm involved with a lot of nonprofits, that this is very interesting, right? Because we have these uh, organizations um, like GuideStar, these, these organizations that rate the financial um, accountability of nonprofits, and some nonprofits opt in, and some op- nonprofits opt out. And so, um, just kind of pulling a number, if you think about that hundred dollar use case you're talking about, uh, X percentage of the hundred dollars goes to overhead of the nonprofit, and then you're left with um, some amount of money that actually makes it to the charity. I, I, don't quote me on it, but I think the last time I looked, I think GuideStar said something like, "Hey, for every." Every uh, $1, if your nonprofit makes it to like 85% of the money actually goes to where it's supposed to go, then that's like a benchmark that most people can be comfortable with. And if it gets below that, if it's, it, then people start to question the financial accountability of the nonprofit. And if you're above that, that means you're operating very lean and more of that money is going to you. But to your point, you kind of always wonder how that works because like there's some very large charities that – um, use money in different ways, and it's just always scratching your head, like, is it getting to where it's supposed to be? In what you're talking about, Binance's philanthropy arm, um, that's one thing, but the underlying technology of blockchain, when you take out the cryptocurrency aspect in itself, it's an immutable record. So if you program the blockchain to say, I want to donate $100 to this cause, and $99 has to go to the cause, and $1 can go to overhead, if that's even... Um, economically feasible, you can program that in the smart contract. And that's what I think is fascinating about using blockchain as a technology to, um, in in essence, uh, we call it a trustless transaction, that people, when they give their money through a blockchain, they can feel comfortable that I'll be used for its intended purpose. Absolutely. And that's always the question, right? And and you said 85%. 85%, I believe, would be a very generous number for that, in which there's obviously going to be overhead expenditures and transfer agents and other hands that go into this bucket. And what you get at the end of this process is a smaller amount that ends up in the hands of the end beneficiary. Now, with Binance Charity, we only use blockchain technology. So an example, we've raised $4 million for what we've called our Crypto Against COVID campaign, in which we've uh, been supplying hospitals and first responders with PPE supplies, that being like N95 masks, protective suits, so on and so forth. Our overhead in total for this process is 0.6%. So we're actually at 99.94%, I believe, in this way, as to the total donation pass-through. And that's proven through blockchain technology in this. So with that, it's definitely there's opportunity for an improvement with respect to the amount of pass-through to the, the end beneficiaries. 
But it's also a matter of proving the amount of pass-through to end beneficiaries and not necessarily having a CEO with a multi-million dollar salary or anything of that. And that, in this case, with Binance Charity, we're in a very fortunate position where our operational costs are actually covered by Binance itself. So we don't have to take anything from the donations. We pass through all of that towards the cause that you're intending it to be done. And again, through blockchain, we can prove that. No, that's great. And, and that's what I was saying that, you know, something, I, and again, I believe it's GuideStar, I, I think that the 85% or whatever benchmark is a high, high bar and that most uh, nonprofits don't, don't achieve that. So the fact that you can create a pass-through mechanism where almost all the money goes directly to the charity is quite commendable, um, no matter how people feel on the on the uh, cryptocurrency aspect of it. And so then that leads to the question, because I think also what people need to remember is that you're also saving on the traditional banking fees as well. So it's an alternative Correct. mechanism to going through traditional bank processing, payment structure, all these things are, are quite fascinating on the implications. Um, what is Binance's blockchain built on for the charitable giving? Is it on a centralized or decentralized platform? It's on Binance chain. So we have our own um, we have our own blockchain. We've actually just recently announced that we have the Binance Smart Chain that's coming out as well. So we utilize our own blockchain for this. The fees are extremely minimal, but again, all of it's transparent. So. To give an analogy to somebody who's not necessarily blockchain friendly, imagine there being a, um, a charitable organization that literally takes their books and provides 100% transparency to it real time. Um, there's really not a way to do this right now uh, in which there's always going to be that element of trust that you have to trust that the books that they're providing you um, are accurate. But again, with blockchain and with the Binance chain, everything is visible, everything is transparent. So that's the level of transparency that we're able to provide with Binance chain. And then I would think, uh, just to finish up on, on this aspect of it, it, once people can get comfortable with blockchain, that for this particular use case, it's not um, that they can have confidence that the money they invest or donate will go to its intended uh, recipient, then I guess the question, which we'll handle in the next segment, is how complicated is it to set up and how do uh, either donors or nonprofits um, start to inquire about how to bring this into their own organization. So don't go away. We'll come back with more of Jared Wynn, who is a senior vice president at Binance, a cryptocurrency exchange that operates internationally and here in the United States. Uh, They are talking about their philanthropic arm and how you can use blockchain as a technology for financial accountability of your donations and to the nonprofits that receive those donations. If you have any questions or comments about today's show, email us at info at svin.biz. Find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter, and you can download us on um, any major podcasting platform, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, my guest is Jared Wynn, Senior Vice President at Binance, the world's most popular cryptocurrency exchange, and he leads their charitable giving initiative. Today, we're going to learn how of the $4 million that have been invested in Binance so far for charitable giving, how over 99% goes directly to the intended recipient, so don't go away. On this week's Sovereign Tip, I want to talk about something that we mention very often, which is phishing, 
which is not fishing like fish, but fishing with a P, P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. This is when hackers attempt to send you messages and email in order to gain access to your other accounts. So there's actually a very sophisticated one that's coming up in light of COVID-19. It's Office, which is Microsoft's online Office 365, and it's targeting senior executives. It could target anybody, but in this case, there's been over 160 senior executives that have been victims of the attack. So I wanted to kind of go through the anatomy of what this might look like just because it's so easy to become a victim. So imagine that you receive an email through your company, a very legitimate-looking PDF file, and it says something like, hey, this is an attachment coming from Office 365, and we want to share a link with you. Go read it now. So you click on that link, and then it takes you to another page, which looks like an exact copy of the Microsoft page that you would normally log into, and it's asking you for your credentials or login. So you don't think about it twice. You just put in your information, and boom, they now have access directly to your user ID, which is also going to have access to the email and any other service you're using from Microsoft, such as PowerPoint, Word, uh, Excel. And this isn't just Microsoft. This is for any cloud-based solution, even Google, but we're just talking about Microsoft in this example. So once you do that, you've gone to this alternate site that looks and feels exactly like Microsoft. It might say something like, Microsoft Office 365, the O could be a zero, you don't notice it. So now you're in and you think you've logged into Microsoft, but instead you logged into the fake site and now they have your email address, they have your password. And then the next phase is they immediately put you in to another site, maybe you don't even realize it, and now they have complete control over your user account. I know it sounds scary, but this is what happens all the time. It happens in corporations. We've done shows where it happens to people closing the escrow in their accounts and trying to get their email um, to get the banking instructions, and their wire transfers get sent to a foreign bank with the money being gone forever. I know it sounds really, really scary, but I just want to make sure that you always are in control of your own digital identity, and you must always validate what you do online. My recommendation is anytime you get an email to log into something, you would hard code the domain yourself. So if you're going to Microsoft, type in www.microsoft.com. Don't rely on the link to get you to where you need to be. Also, you can always call tech support, customer support, or call the sender to make sure they actually sent you that message. But I do recommend in this time we have to be very careful to always double-check, and that's the cyber tip of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Jared Wynn, who's a senior vice president at Binance. That is a cryptocurrency exchange, both internationally and here in the United States. Welcome back, Jared. Thank you. So, Jared, before we get into it, I just want to remind folks that uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency are simply technologies. Uh, it can be used for good. It can be used for bad. In the last few years of prominence, especially with a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, uh, beyond the news that it fluctuates up and down, uh, it was rumored to be used for some illicit activities because of the ways it can get around government's noses. Also, there's been bad press about how cryptocurrency gets hacked. Uh, let me assure you, and based on previous shows, the cryptocurrency in itself has never been hacked. The value is the value that goes up and down based on market fluctuation. What have been hacked 
are certain crypto exchanges, certain wallets, and that's usually due, just like any software, uh, due to insecurities in how the software was coded. So what we're talking about today is not the politics behind blockchain or cryptocurrency, but how blockchain can be used as an effective vehicle for philanthropy and charitable giving. In our last segment, Jared did a great job talking about how that can be done. And in this segment, we want to talk about actual use cases and things that Binance is working on. So Jared, let's talk about the initiatives that Binance Charitable Arm, what they've done and what they're doing next. Every type of campaign that we do, we incorporate a level of blockchain technology into it. Um, we hope to be the inspiration to other organizations to show that giving can be transparent and giving can be proven. We've actually started this a number of years ago now um, in Uganda. We did a number of initiatives, one of which was a pink care token. Um, this token, essentially, somebody was able to, to donate uh, an amount of money. It was, I believe, around 5 to $10. And that amount of money actually was enough to give one token um, to a young woman in need. Now, this was for a cause called period poverty. Many women in Uganda aren't able to afford sanitary pads, which you can imagine will be extremely damaging to the upbringing of a young adult. They were unable to effectively get their education. Uh, they were having uh, social stigmas placed against them. And for 5 to $10 to change a person's life like that is revolutionary. So a donation essentially of 5 to $10 would provide a token to one of those women. And that one of those women were able to exchange that token with a vendor who would then provide them with a year's worth of sanitary pads. And all of this was viewable on the blockchain. So you would be able to see where your donation created a token, who that token went to, how much of those tokens they had and how much they used to purchase the goods. And then, of course, there was the proof that the goods were transferred back to them. So that was one of our first models that we actually created. Um, today, what we're working on is a crypto against COVID campaign, which in itself is very similar, uh, but we don't have immediate end beneficiaries. We aren't helping one individual. What we're helping is we're helping hospitals. So in this case, what we've created is a courier token, what we've labeled as PPE a token, which is personal protective equipment. So that includes N95 masks and the sort. We actually appropriate N these PPE tokens to the hospitals. Uh, one token represents one mask being delivered to that hospital. And upon a proof of delivery from the courier who's delivering these goods, those tokens are then released to the courier and the courier will utilize those as their form of compensation where each token, I believe, is worth about two cents. With that, we are proving the, the delivery of these goods through blockchain technology um, and showing that the donations, again, go from the start of the donation all the way through delivery to the hospital. Um, and our goal is, again, to utilize technology as this proof of donation model and show that donations are ending up where they should. Um, and I think that that's a, a huge uh, cornerstone of any philanthropic initiative is, one, um, you know, you have your intent of what it is that you're trying to achieve. But two, can you prove the achievement? And that's really where we're trying to hone in on for ourselves and as well open up that opportunity to other charitable organizations who wish to spread their wings and hopefully adopt something new that will help them in the future. And then in that case, the courier, they actually would need to establish a crypto wallet and a relationship with the exchange? Correct. They will be establishing a crypto wallet. We actually will guide them through the process in which um, that's another thing you mentioned earlier about how crypto itself and blockchain itself isn't illicit by itself. It's just the same as a dollar. So if you have a dollar bill, that could be used for good or for bad. The dollar bill itself isn't bad. It's the same with Bitcoin. So in this process, we actually have a, a, what's called a KYC process or a know your customer process, 
where we have their driver's license, their passport information, or any other type of verification that this is a person. Uh, and this is all very transparent. That's the thing is that if the government adopts blockchain technology, uh, they could actually get much greater insight into the movement of funds than what they do now. So there's, there's a lot of opportunity. It just tends to be that when it comes to brand association, um, Bitcoin itself has a brand. And when people hear things negative about it, those are the things that people tend to remember. So we hope that, that we can overcome that with philanthropy, as I mentioned before. Like we were talking about, we use the term, like, how long did it take for the Internet to really get adopted and for people to really feel comfortable with that? Technology always moves ahead of regulations, but in order for the technology to actually take off and be seen as a legitimate actor, regulations follow. And so that's what I see now, um, however many years later, that companies who have the right way of thinking and the investments, they are legitimizing by making sure they're, they're passing these international banking standards. That's where the need to create onboarding processes for people comes in. That's why exchanges even were originally created, because you actually don't need an exchange to transact cryptocurrency. If you are a savvy individual, you can set up your own crypto wallet and know where you want to send or receive your cryptocurrencies to, to someone else around the world. The exchange is there to help make sure you're doing it, um, if, you, if you're not that savvy, to do it in a safe manner and also in a, in a legally compliant manner. And that's why I think it's great that Binance is working on helping um, underserved communities and other groups obtain that. I, I think that when that adoption occurs, um, others will feel much more comfortable about it. I agree, and you're, you're completely correct in which a, an exchange is really a simplification layer. There were multiple evolutions of the Internet, the first iteration of which, if you wanted to visit another server, you entered in an IP address. There was no such thing, thing as a DNS server, and the only people that were capable of utilizing the Internet were people who were able to enter in the IP address of a destination of a server that they were trying to reach. And it wasn't in a method that um, a lot of people were able to comprehend. So with blockchain the same... We're very much in one of the earlier iterations, and we're either going to get to a point where it becomes so simplified that it passes the quote-unquote grandma test, or it's going to be utilized in a capacity that people won't even realize that it's being used. So that's my opinion as to what what will it take for blockchain adoption to really occur. So how would organizations get in contact with Binance, either those that wanted to get set up as a charity or an NGO on the platform or for someone who wanted to donate via the platform? How would they get started? So what I would recommend for, so I'll I'll answer that in multiple parts. Um, Number one, if you are a individual interested in learning about cryptocurrency or even making your first cryptocurrency purchase, um, you can visit Binance.us. The process itself is very simple. There's even an app that you can download for iOS or Android. Um, And the step-by-step guidance that it provides is pretty self-explanatory. And with that regard, you can be a Bitcoin owner within a number of minutes. From an organization stance or an institution, um, you can also apply for institutional accounts through Binance US. And then from a charitable stance um, or from an individual who's interested in making a larger contribution to a charitable organization, you can reach out to us directly. Um, we have an email address on our website, binance.charity, um, and I'll provide it now. It's BCF, that's B as in boy, C as in Charlie, F as in Frank, at binance.com. And you can feel free to email us with any questions. Just make a note that you heard us on this podcast. 
and we're more than happy to help you with that guidance as not only do we have a charitable arm and a philanthropic arm, but we also have the Binance Academy, uh, which is also intended to help uh, governments and organizations or enterprise adopt blockchain technology into their day-to-day activities. So um, by all means, we're always open to exploring those initiatives. Jared, thank you for the information. I just want to remind what you said was you can find out more by either going to the Binance website or go to uh, send an email to bcf at binance.com. Uh, Jared, thanks for being here today. Thanks so much, Keith. It was great speaking with you. Jared Wynn, Senior Vice President of Binance. He oversees their charitable giving platform. If you have any questions or comments about what we talked about so far, email us at info at svn.biz. You can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter, and we'll be right back to close the show with more of Jared. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Insiders, welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. My special guest today has been Jared Wynn, Senior Vice President at Binance, a cryptocurrency exchange internationally and in the United States. Welcome back, Jared. Thanks, Keith. So on the pivot today, we want to talk about the future. And again, um, as we discussed all throughout today's show, technology like blockchain can be used for good or for bad. And that really it's a tool but one thing that's in the news, especially in governments around the world, is that with COVID-19, it's kind of an all-out war on physical cash or fiat money just because of the perception of how dirty it is. And so what I want to talk to Jared about is where does he see this all headed? Are we about to get rid of uh, cash as we know it? You know, there's so many reasons that blockchain and crypto should be adopted. And I think that, you know, dirty money and everything else is just kind of skimming the surface. And we've actually, we've worked with a number of um, states, government units that have been interested in exploring blockchain technology. And, you know, we'll give an example of North Carolina dealing with Hurricane Dorian and going through that experience. Many of the funds that were otherwise appropriated for disaster relief through FEMA took months to actually reach the contractors as to, you know, what was required to rebuild some of these homes. And that was just the transfer process. And we're experiencing something similar in which today, you know, there were, there were stimuluses that were provided to a number of people that took, for many people, still hasn't even occurred. You know, with blockchain technology, it can be a matter of seconds for that transaction to occur. It doesn't require transfer agents. It doesn't require more hands in it. Um, there's obviously a key use for it. And I think that with COVID-19, you know, things bend until either they can revert back to the way they were, or they bend until they break. And in this case, I think that we bent it until it's, if not already cracking, to the, a, to the edge of being broken, to where I think that there's going to be a much deeper exploration as to what things could have otherwise helped us in this situation. Because in many situations, as I mentioned earlier, for people to change, that has to be an incentive or a mandate. And I think now we're beyond the point of incentive and we're at a mandate where the technology is here. And what is it that's preventing us from adopting it? And we've seen this happen in many ways. You know, schools for the first time. I have my two-year-old, or, I'm sorry, my, two, my second grader and my fourth grader who are now taking Zoom classes, as I'm sure many other people in the United States are experiencing 
that might not have happened for many years, even a decade, because we didn't have to do it, but we were mandated to do it. And schools were mandated to do that if they wanted to continue receiving their payments for children being educated. So we're in a unique position. I think that, you know, from the from the Phoenix, the ashes come the rebirth. And I think that we're at that turning point um, where we can really make some change. And I think that it's going to take thought leaders and I think that it's going to take um, innovators to really push this bill forward. You make a good point. I think about uh, what we found out about how aid was given to Puerto Rico and a lot of um, years later finding out that they had a lot of the aid stuck in a warehouse. And and, and whether or not whoever was involved with that, um, putting that information on a blockchain, as we talked about in the last segment, where uh, you can actually program that the material goods themselves got to the intended destination. So you can track every aspect of the transaction, including delivery and including um, acceptance. It really changes how people think about uh, the entire lifespan of a transaction. Um, Blockchain in itself is a trustless transaction. The whole point of why we even have banks to begin with from the concept since the Middle Ages is I don't necessarily trust you to get paid. And so therefore, I have to come up with ways that I get a certainty that my transaction going through an intermediary happens. And that, that's not just yes. um, money in itself, but it's just the exchange of goods. So I, I agree with you that dirty money, which is where all the news is right now, um, fiat currency is believed to be a vector of the pandemic, and therefore we should get rid of it. But if you think about all the other aspects of ensuring that a transaction happens, um, contactless transactions, uh, frictionless transactions, I think that this is really making people who are on the fence um, really think twice and, and be open to adopting this technology. I agree. And it, well, if you think about the technology curve, it's a J curve. The, the amount of technology uh, that we have developed or the innovations that have occurred in the last 20, 30 years is exponential in comparison to the technology for millions of years before this. So we're looking at such a small, narrow window that in the next five, 10 years, we could see some massive developments. And, you know, when it comes to blockchain, I think a lot of the issue with the adoption of it is understanding and comprehension. And I feel that when people don't understand something, uh, they tend not to pursue it or they tend not to adopt it as people don't want to adopt something that they don't understand for the fear of risk or the fear of loss. Now, with that, um, you know, I think that it's just going to take a story and blockchain in itself tells a story. And um, I can actually share uh, my first experience as to when I fully comprehended blockchain. And it was uh, it was a tuna fish, actually, that helped me understand what blockchain was. And uh, the the process of that was was imagine a tuna fish, this tuna fish being from Fiji. um, It goes through multiple supply chains in order to actually reach the United States. And with that, there are many hands that handle that tuna fish. And one of the key elements of the transfer of that is, is that the fish can't rise above a certain temperature because if it does, there's a significant amount of bacteria and then otherwise the fish can't be sold. So it, it goes from person A to person B. It's now being shipped across to person C. Person C ships it to person D. And throughout this process, there's a ledger in which people record what temperature at any point the temperature rose in that box. And the person C, perhaps that temperature rose above just by a degree. And they think that that's not worth reporting because if they reported it, they would have lost X amount of dollars because they were responsible for the rising temperature. Um, What this company did was uh, that innovated this. This was the Fiji tuna story, and you can Google it and find it. Uh, They put an Internet sensor in the box 
that if the temperature rised above a certain point, it actually put a mark on the blockchain at that time, notifying everybody in that supply chain that the temperature rose at that time. Um, and that person was then responsible for the rise in, in, rise in temperature. So there was no more wonder of trust as to, is everybody really saying what they need to say? So imagine if we did that on a large scale, how much that can actually suppress the spread of virus and bacteria and everything else. Again, this all comes back to trust. And people will act on a value of trust as to whether or not it's going to impact them negatively or impact them positively. And everybody has that tipping point. So hopefully in me sharing that story, maybe some light switches went on in people's heads in which they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because I, I never thought in a million years that a tuna fish would ed- educate me. But in this case, it did. That's a great example. We've, we've done past shows on supply chain security using blockchain. And so I'll, I'll just finish with this. Jared, thank you so much again for being on the show today. Thanks, Keith. Jared Wynn, Senior Vice President at Binance overseeing their charitable initiatives. Um, I'm going to end with this, which is the best way to get over your fear of technology is to understand it. And then you can make your decision on whether you still fear it or whether you're going to adopt it. Blockchain is not going away. How we thought about blockchain is being used could be different, but due to the pandemic and due to other things, there are definitely movements occurring where we see it, less resources, less people. People want security in their money in the supply chain. And so I personally don't think blockchain is going away, but I think the more that you take the time to understand it, uh, the more educated you'll be. So if you have any questions or comments about today's show, email us at info at svn.biz. Find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN. 